We're going to go to James chapter 2. We're going to continue our series on Abraham, the friend of God, talking a little bit about how Abraham was called God's friend. But I also want to kind of make this practical as well. And so each week we're talking a little bit about relationships. We're talking a little bit about what does it look like to be a real friend, to be a true friend. What does it look, what should you be looking for in relationship? What you should be looking for in friendship? And so it'll also be practical as well. So we're going to go to James chapter 2. And I'll try to have my voice hold out as long as we can. I'll review just briefly. And then we'll get after it. Abraham was called God's friend in James 2. Notice it says this. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he, what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham, and this is where we started the series, he believed God, that's trust, he trusted God, and it was credit to him as righteousness. And notice this statement, he was called what? Can you say it with me? God's friend. He was called God's friend. He was the friend of God. What a powerful statement. Three different times in scripture, the Bible says that Abraham was called God's friend, the friend of God. And this means that that was, his, that was his reputation, that was his testimony. This is what God said about Abraham. God said, Abraham is my friend. And so we're doing a series on the life of Abraham and looking at some of the qualities that Abraham had that caused God to call him his friend. And so we're going to ask the Lord to bless the reading of his word, and then we'll speak a little bit about these qualities today. Lord, I pray you'd bless your word. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would please uh, take the word and use it in our hearts, in our lives. Lord, to first and foremost, to have a desire to have a relationship with you, to realize that you love us and you want to be our friend. You call us friends. But also, Lord, that we would have wisdom and discernment and that we would become good friends and not only become good friends, but that we would also have wisdom in the choices that we make and who we bring into our circle and, and who we allow to have influence in our lives is so, so very important. So I pray you'd bless the brief time that we have this morning and we'll give you the glory for it in Jesus' name, amen. So Abraham three times is called God's friend. And when I was reading through the scriptures, when I see this, I began to say to myself, well, why was Abraham of all people called God's friend? And so it put me on a journey of studying a little bit about the life of Abraham, who Abraham is, what made him tick. And, and we call him the father of our faith. And he was, yes, a great prophet. But what we see is that Abraham had a true, genuine walk with God, if you will. He had an intimate, personal relationship with God. We start by saying this, that the foundation of friendship is trust. It says that Abraham believed God. He believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. We see that Abraham trusted God. Last week we saw that his trust was so strong that even when God said to him, go and take your son and offer him on the altar, 
and sacrifice your son that Abraham was willing to do. And Abraham took his son. And as he's about to take the life of his own son, God intervenes. And he says, Abraham, you've passed the test. And I know that you truly love me and that you trust me. Now, let me just say this for those of you that weren't here last week. God provided a substitute. He provided a ram. He provided another lamb. And God never intended for Abraham to take his own son's life, but he was testing Abraham, and Abraham was willing. But here's, here's the amazing thing. Abraham believed and trusted God so much that the scripture says that Abraham said that he believed that if necessary, God would bring his son back to life. That's how much he trusted God. If you want to be the friend of God, you have to trust him. You have to believe him. And may I say this in our relationships, if you and I are going to have strong friendships, strong relationships, and I'm speaking about in your home, in your family, in your marriages, as a parent and a child relationship, in your friendships, may I say to you, you must build a foundation of trust. And all God's people said, build that trust. That means that you speak truth. It means that you do not lie and you do not deceive and that there are not the secrets and the hidden things that you hide from one another. I have a couple rules on my wrestling team. And anyone that I coach, I've coached baseball the years, football, and then wrestling has been my passion for quite a few years. And one of my first rules is this. Number one rule is don't lie to me. Do not lie. If you're going to mispractice because you just want to be lazy, have integrity and just say, I want to mispractice because I'm lazy. I mean it. But if you mispractice and say, I was sick and I'm not, I wasn't feeling well, and then I see on your Snapchat story, your Instagram story, that you're up on the slopes, <laughs> now I can't trust you. We load you up in a bus and we take you across state lines and we're responsible for you and I've got to be able to trust you. Do you guys understand this? In your marriage, in your relationships, there's got to be a foundation of trust. You see, friendship is built on trust where you can trust the other person. And you must do all that you can do to protect that foundation of trust. I want to make this statement, I'll say it every week, because it's so powerful, it's so important. But the idea is this, when we think about trust, trust is lost in buckets, but it's regained in drops. And so do everything that you can to maintain in your relationships trust, that you do nothing to jeopardize the trust that you have. Abraham believed God. There was a trust relationship there. We saw last week that Abraham obeyed God. And we talked about a very not very popular subject, but we talked about submission. We talked last week how Abraham obeyed God and submitted to God, even willing, if necessary, to take his son and offer him as a sacrifice. And obviously God was testing Abraham, but here's the point. Abraham obeyed God. When God told Abraham to leave the Ur, the land of Ur, and to go into the new land, the Bible says he obeyed. When God told Abraham to offer up his son as a sacrifice, he obeyed. We see that Abraham 
Abraham was walking in submission to God. And what does that look like in our own relationships? And that is this. The scripture says, even in marriage, that we're to submit to one another. It says submitting one to another. It says that we're to submit, I believe, as men, we submit to the needs of our wives. And the, the scripture says, wives, submit to the leadership of your husband. If you're in a friendship or you're in a relationship where one person is always taking, 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 but then there's no giving, can I tell you something? That is not a, that is a very, very shallow relationship. You guys got this? And so they're submitting one to another. There's submission. Abraham obeyed God. Jesus said, if you love me, he says, I, he says, I call you my friends. In John 15, he says, I call you my friends. But he says, if you love me, you'll do what I've asked you to do. If you have a friend who only wants to do the things that they want to do, or in your relationship, and can I say this, even in your marriage, if it's just always one person always getting their way, so to speak, and it's always doing what they want to do, and there's no other, hey, what do you want to do? If it's only the restaurant that he wants to go to, we need to retrain him just a little bit. Amen? Yeah. By the way, this is good counsel, good advice for some of you who are dating or in relationships, and maybe some of you who are engaged, start training them now, amen? <laughs> if you're just always going out to barbecue, you know, and she wants to go get a little salad, I guess you got to do it once in a while. <laughs> oh, it reminds me growing up. I mean, there's three boys and I had a younger sister. We played football and we wrestled and I want real food. I'll never forget the one time came home and, and my mom said, I tried a new recipe. It's, it's, oh, it's, I can't wait till you guys try it. And I'm like, what's this new recipe? You know, what is this? And she said, it's quiche. And I said, what in the world is quiche? It sounds so wimpy, you know, it just sounds so. Uh. And, I, and I, I took a couple bites, and we, we ate the quiche, and I said, okay, now what's for dinner? You know, what are we supposed to eat? That was a good little appetizer, but we're, no, that's the meal, she said. That's the meal. Sometimes you just submit, and you just eat it, okay? And so maybe your wife wants to go out for some quiche once in a while. Well, go eat some quiche, you know? Then go home and drink a, a protein shake or something. I don't know. <laughs> But Abraham was walking in submission. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, we've got to move quickly. Here's for this morning, just a few, few thoughts this morning. In Genesis 18, 1 through 3, just track with me. This might sound a little strange to read this passage. We'll pick up on this in a couple weeks, this passage. But I want to read just the first few verses. It, it gives us a little bit about the life of Abraham, the life he lived. It says, the Lord appeared to Abraham. So here he has a friendship with God. The Lord appears to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his, can you say the next word with me, tent. It's in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and he saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and he bowed low to the ground. And he said, if I have found in your eyes, my Lord, do not, uh, do not pass your servant by. 
And we'll read this in a, in a couple weeks where he has this amazing conversation and communication with the Lord. But what I want you to see is this, is Abraham was called the friend of God for a number of reasons. We said because of his trust, the foundation of trust. He trusted God, and it was a foundation of trust. Submission, submitting, and in our relationship, submission is important. But I want you to notice as well, this might sound strange to you, but Abraham was a pilgrim. He was nomadic. Um, when I was on a missions trip years ago, uh, I went to uh, Jordan, and I spent like two weeks in Jordan, and it was an amazing experience, an awesome opportunity. But while there, I got to meet and actually go into uh, a tribe or a group of, of uh, Islamic people called the Bedouins. And the Bedouins, they are nomadic. They do not have homes. They do not have property. They do not have land. And they literally just move from place to place. And they live in these tents and they still cook over little fires and, you know, they have like the Persian, hand Persian rugs that they put down and they make these tents pretty homey. But I, I, I'll be honest still to me, I, I just, I don't understand the whole camping thing. I'm just going to throw that out there. And people are like, you know, like, hey, what are you doing for vacation? Oh, we're going camping. Are you serious? That's a vacation? <laughs> you have to try to survive for a week? No offense, but to me, it's like, so you're living like a homeless person for a week. You know, now, now some, of you, you, some of you are not camping. You're cheating. Like the glamping thing, I've seen some of you. I've come and seen some of you. When you have like your, your RVs and your trailers and your generators, your big screen TV and you're cooking out, that's not camping, okay? <laughs> now, I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about the type of camping where you're sleeping on the ground, it's cold, it's nasty, it's miserable, and you wake up more miserable each and every day. <laughs> this is the life that Abraham lived. He was like the modern day, even to this day, the Bedouins. He was a nomadic. He was a, if you will, he was a stranger in the land that he lived. He was a pilgrim, the scripture says. We'll see this in a moment. He was a foreigner. It's an interesting term, but he was a sojourner. It means literally he's just passing through. The scripture reveals to us about Abraham that he did not make, follow me now, he did not make this world his home. He's passing through. Look at, look at James 4, verse 4 and 5. And you say, how does this apply to our relationship with God? And what is this, what is maybe the Old Testament saying about Abraham? I'll, I'll, I'll show you what I mean here. It says, James says here, he says, you adulterous people. Now in the context, I mean, could you imagine if I said, you, you adulterous people? You'd be like, that's kind of offensive. He's, in, he's talking in a spiritual sense. He says, you adulterous people. What is adultery? Some of you might say, well, that's an old word. I don't know what it means. It means if you're in marriage and you're cheating on your partner, you're cheating on your spouse, you're married and you're supposed to be one and, and you're committed to each other, but while you're supposed to be committed to, to each other and loving each other, you're actually cheating and you're, you have a different relationship with someone else. So he says here, he says, listen, you adulterous people, he's speaking to, to us. This is powerful. He says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? 
Therefore, anyone who chooses, that's a key word, chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. He says in first five, do you think the scripture says without reason that, uh, that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? One of the names of God is this. In the Old Testament, he says this. One of the names of God is that God is jealous. God is a jealous God. He says here in the scripture, James says, listen. He says, don't, if you will, commit spiritual adultery. Don't cheat on God with the things of this world. You can't love the world and be God's friend. Now, we're not talking about like the world, like earth, like trees. We're not talking about that. What he's talking about is the idea of, of the things of this world, the pleasures of this world, the affections of this world, uh, whether it be the popularity and the fame, the wealth, the money. He says you cannot, Jesus says in another passage, you can't have and serve two different masters. You either love the one and hate the other. He says in this scripture here, he says that you have to either love God and you can't try to love God and love the world at the same time, the things of this world. Yet many a Christian cheats on God. It's a choice. In this passage, he says, you cannot, in essence, choose to love the world and still try to love God. It, it can't be done. Let me just throw this out here. On a little side note, I think a very wise application to this in our relationships is choose your friends wisely. Solomon says this. He says, walk wise men, you will be wise. But a companion, a companion or a friend of fools will what? Be destroyed. Be careful how you choose your friends. Abraham said, I will not be a friend of the world. I will not get comfortable in this world. My friend is, is the Lord. My friend is God. And so choose your friends wisely. Your friends will make you or break you. All through scripture, the Bible says, Paul says in Corinthians, he says, don't be deceived. Don't be fooled. He says, evil communications will corrupt good morals. You can have a really good kid. In fact, you can have an awesome kid. I mean, an almost perfect kid, like, like one of yours, you know? You can have a really good kid, but put him around two or three kids who are up to no good, and you can mark it down. I promise you that one good kid's not going to sway to two or three kids who are wanting to go the other direction. It's pretty rare. Are you with me? Choose your friends wisely. I would encourage you. You may not like this. But we're in a culture today where it's, we want as many followers, we want as many friends. And as we started out this series, there's a big difference between a friend and an acquaintance. There's a huge difference. A friend is someone, as we're going to see here in a moment, that's loyal. A friend, as Jesus said, is someone who's willing to give their life for you. I would keep your circle very small. But the world tells us that you need to have this big, big circle you need to be the, the center of the party and lots. But listen, when it really comes down to it, if you have one or two close, loyal, near and dear friends, you are blessed. Amen? But choose your friends wisely. 
The scripture is very clear and it warns often about how we choose our friends and the choices you make. There was once, a, I, I wish I should have looked it up and gave him credit, but there was once a motivational speaker and he said basically this, that you are the sum of the five people you surround yourselves with. You are the sum of the five people that you have in and around your lives. And so be careful who your influences are. Be careful who you allow into your circle. Because as Paul says, don't, don't be deceived. Don't think that you can get away with it. Because evil communication will corrupt good manners. When I was in Arizona, I just moved to Arizona. And I started coaching in Arizona, and pastoring in Arizona. And I'll just give you this illustration, but I moved there and uh, all the other coaches and everyone there, they, ha they would always say this. You'd say something to them like, man, that was a great play or man, you know, that really went good. And they were like, 100%, 100%. And I looked at them like, that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard, 100%. It's like, jeez, you people out here in AZ do it weird. And I would say like, man, we need to get the team lifting, 100%, 100%. You know, and so, and I would just sit there and I'd laugh. And I was like, you know, 100%. About six months into coaching, somebody came up to me, my wife or somebody said something. And all of a sudden, you know, they're like, hey, that, that's, that was really good, wasn't it? 100%. And I was like, what did I just say? I did it. You know, like, oh, my goodness. Here I am, you know, I was laughing at them, making fun of now I'm saying it. You, it. We don't realize how much our environment, it affects us and it rubs off on us. Amen? Are you guys listening? Our environment has so much influence on us. And in the story of Abraham, it's a powerful thing because Abraham chooses to not be a friend of this world, to not get comfortable in this world. And if you were to read the story, he had a nephew named Lot. And in the story and in the account of Abraham and his nephew Lot, who was also there with him, and they, they left the land together, they, it became where they were both being blessed. They both had favor. They both had large herds and lots of animals, and there wasn't enough green grass for both of them. And Abraham, and they, they began, among their servants, they were fighting and feuding, and Abraham said, we need to fix this. We need to kind of part ways. We need to distance ourselves. And I'm giving you a lot of history in a very short moment of time, but here's what happens. Abraham says to Lot, you can choose wherever you want to go. Wherever you want to go, you can choose. And you may not know a lot about the Bible, but how many of you have ever heard of Sodom and Gomorrah? Do you hear about it? Is it good or is it? It's Vegas. That's what it is. Just saying. <laughs> Somebody say amen, am I right? I mean, okay. So, <laughs> so Abraham says you can choose wherever you want to go. And Abraham says, I'm going. And he, Lot says, I'm going down. And his choice, if you read, it says because it was green grass, it looked prosperous. It was only for financial reasons he moves there. The story is that Lot loses his family. It's a mess. It's a train wreck. It's awful. It's dysfunction. Uh, it's just bad. Really, 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 really bad. Abraham looks and he says, I'm going to go to God's country. I'm going to Cedar City. Amen? <laughs> I'm moving up to Cedar. And still, all the sheep are still here ever since. 
<laughs> They're still here, right? I saw them at the seat parade. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and so Abraham, he continues to not be a friend of the world. He lives in his tent, and he says, this is not my permanent home. I'm not comfortable here. Lot moves to the city. Lot moves into the world, and it steals his heart from God. Before long, Lot is just as ungodly as the rest of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And you'll have to read that story on your own. A couple other scriptures very quickly. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. What does the scripture say? It says this. John says, do not love the world. And this is what we, you'll see what he means by this. Or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, what does he mean by, you'll see in a minute what he means by it, but he says the love of the Father is not in them. You can't be in love with God and love this world. Now watch. For everything in the world, this is what he's speaking about, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and, and pride, the pride of life. It comes not from the Father, but from where? From the world. He says the world and its desires, they're not permanent, pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. He, we see again in Scripture, it says, Be careful. Choose your friends wisely. And if you fall in love with the things of this world and the pleasures of this world, it will steal your heart from God. It will steal your heart from the Lord. Look with me in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, we'll just read quickly. This is Abraham in the New Testament. Listen to what it says about Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would uh, later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed their submission. Okay, and he went. Uh, though he did not know where he was going, so their submission, that's the part of being the friend of God. By faith or by trust, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger. In a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and as did Jacob, who were heirs with him of that same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architects and builders is God. He's looking forward to that heavenly city. And by faith, even Sarah, who, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear, a, bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, as he as, a, as good as dead, came the descendants of uh, as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And these people were still living. Notice again, what's the other one? Faith, by faith, by trust, when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners. See these words again? And strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of, of, of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. They put it in the past. And instead, they were long for country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Can I say this to you, follower of Jesus Christ? This is not our home. Amen? And we oftentimes get too comfortable here, and we think that this is our permanent dwelling place. It is not. We are called to be strangers, foreigners. We're here on temporary visa, okay? We are not called to make this place our home. 
One more passage, 1 Peter chapter 2. In 1 Peter chapter 2, notice what the scripture says. He says, but you, you and I, you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. God's special possessions. That you may declare the praises of him who have called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and as exiles to abstain from the sinful desires which wage war against your soul. As we look at this, this scripture this morning and compare the different scriptures, the idea is this, is that the things of this world, the pleasures of this world, the lust of our flesh and our fleshly desires, they are at war for our soul. You see, you cannot love God and love the world at the same time. If you want to be the friend of God, then you cannot be the friend of this world. The scripture is clear. And God who loves us says, listen, the things of this world, it's at war. It wants to take your soul. Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world? If you were to gain everything and you were to have possession of the whole world, he says, what profit is it if you lose your soul? Man, many people are selling their soul for fortune and fame and popularity. How sad it is. Don't sell your soul for the things of this world. And reminded of the fact that the scripture says that there is a heavenly city that's permanent, that's eternal. But he says the things of this world, they're going to pass away. We often sell out. We sell our soul for something that is temporary. Giving up something that's eternal. You see, you cannot be the friend of God and be the friend of the world. Here's a word that I would use that's not very common today. The word loyalty. Loyalty. If I were to cheat on my wife, I'm not very loyal to my wife, am I? No. Nah. And so we're talking about friendships and relationships. Abraham was a friend of God. He trusted God. That's the foundation. He was in a submitting relationship with God. He was in submission to God. But not only that, but Abraham, his love was truly devoted to God and God alone. Amen? He was loyal. He was loyal to God. In your friendships, in your relationships, you must have loyalty. Solomon says a friend loves at all times through the thick and the thin. When you get married, you say change vows. You talk about for richer or for poorer or for poorer for poorer or for poorer for poorer for richer for poorer, whatever. In sickness and in health. Goes on and talks about in, you know, the idea of through the good, through the bad, through the thick and the thin, loyalty. You see, a true and real friend will have your back and you will have their back. And there is a loyalty. Let me also illustrate it like this. 
If someone were to come to me and they were to say, Coach Joe or Pastor Joe or Joe, you're my good friend. You're really my good friend. But I hate your wife. Okay? Can't stand her, despise her. Want nothing to do with her. At any opportunity, I will trip her. I will knock her down. At any opportunity, you know, like you'd be just like, are you serious? Or if someone were to say to you something like this, you know, you and I are really good friends, but I can't stand your kids. Just can't stand them. That's grandparents. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it depends on what kind of kids you have, right? It depends on how good of a job you're doing. But if you were to say, if someone were to say something like that, if someone were to come to me and literally say, you say, well, this is kind of a weird way of saying it, but if someone were to come and say, Joe, you know what? I, I'm, your, I'm your friend. I'm there for you. I've got your back. We're great friends, but I, can, I did, cannot stand your wife. I want nothing to do with her. You know, I mean, and like literally like a hatred and an animosity. Let me ask you something. Should I really be friends with that person? Absolutely not. Because at any opportunity, what are they going to do? They're going to try to find any way possible to undermine that friendship. And by the way, my wife is my best friend. The Lord is my friend and my best friend. But here on planet Earth, my wife is my best friend. I'm not sure if she feels the same. I hope so. <laughs> She's back in the nursery, I think. <laughs> That's always safer back for me to be up here and her back there. There's times she's like, oh, yeah, you're going to be my friend, you know. <laughs> but a friend loves at all times. <laughs> through thick and through thin, Loyalty. Can I say this? The Bible said, I don't have time to turn there. In John 15, Jesus said this. He said, the world hates you because it hates me. And so the things of this world, the world system and the things of this world, all of these things, listen to me, they hate the Lord. They hate God. And they want to steal your affections and steal your heart from God. Is this resonating? So the things of this world are going to try to, because they hate God. They hate what he is and who he is and what he stands for. And so, the, the, and remember, let me remind you something. The Bible says this, that Satan is the God of this world, so he's behind it. Satan, who is the enemy of God and who hates God, he is the one who is the God of this world. The scripture says that Satan is the God of this world. He's the prince and power of the air. And so he uses the things of the world to try to steer your heart away from God. And so if there's a word that you can walk away from today, and that is this, if you want to be the friend of God, then you have to be loyal to him. And that means this, is that you have a heart for God. And I'm not saying you don't have a heart for your friends and other relationships, but the Bible says, thou shalt, here's the two great commandments, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor or your brother, what? As yourself. These are the great commandments. So do we love one another? Absolutely. But we love God supremely. But can I tell you something? You, according to the scriptures, you cannot be the friend of God and be the friend of this world. And all God's people said this morning, amen. amen. Would you stand with me? And I encourage you.